majesty and your might and your beauty. We've heard of our sin and our fallenness. We've thought about our world and yeah, thank you, Father, that you're above everything that happens in our lives and our world and you are supreme, you are sovereign, you are king. And yet, Father, you are intimately concerned with the details of our lives. And so we pray tonight as we take these truths, as we listen to them, And as we seek to obey you at your word, please help us. Thank you that you're bothered about us in our lives. Thank you that you speak truth and life and love to us so that we can apply it and take it to heart. And so we pray that tonight you'll give us hearts that are soft and obedient and that long to live for you, for the glory of your name. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, uh, just by quick show of hands, who was here last week? Good to know. Who wasn't here last week? Fantastic. Welcome. Welcome to Haggai. Um, If you were here last week, then you would have remembered we thought about uh, these six conversations that are going on between God and his people. And last week we looked at number one and two. This week we're looking at number three, these conversations. And it starts with God making a claim. The people get their hackles up, heckles up, whatever it is, and they're like, how is that the case? And then God comes in with an explanation. We're on number three today. And in the first two, we've seen how how God had said, I've loved you. Right at the start of chapter one. And the people doubted God's love. And we, we saw very quickly that God's love is not based on performance of people, but on the promise of God. And we saw that impact that it had in their lives. Namely, in the next section, in the conversation number two, where the people are bringing, remember they're bringing their like defiled animals and their blind animals to the offering, to the sacrifice. They're bringing their leftovers, their second best. And God says, God says, I deserve it all. And we thought about that idea of bringing God our best, the cost to being a Christian, what it looks like to serve him, to give him everything we've got. And Malachi is a really hard book. It's a really hard book. It deals with some really challenging things. We've already seen about God's love. We've already seen about bringing our best to the table. And tonight, in chapter 2, we're going to think about not our broken relationship with God, as we thought about last week, but instead our broken relationships with other people, with those around us. Because there's a word that comes up five times in just seven verses in Malachi chapter 2. See if you can spot it. Unfaithful. Unfaithful. See, we live in a world that loves this idea of the grass is greener. You know that kind of idea? Maybe think about it in your job or your, your friendships or your I don't know, your home, the place you live, or even the church. Like, you look at other things somewhere over there, and it looks so much more appealing than when you're at right now. Perhaps where you're at right now is boring or dull, or perhaps where you're at right now is hard and tough. And so you look over there at that thing, and you're like, I want that. That looks much more appealing than where I am right now. I'm sure we can all think of times when we felt like that. 
And this is a massive thing in our world today. The grass is greener. I remember when I moved to Muswell Hill eight years ago or so, um, there's a beautiful little coffee shop down the road. I'm not going to name them. But I used to go there actually every morning. And it was really bad, and I wasted so much money buying a coffee every morning. It's really bad. And it was a beautiful coffee. I got to know the staff. Lovely place, lovely ambiance. Until a few years ago, a new coffee shop opened, like a few seconds closer to the church. Equally good coffee, perfectly nice staff. And I thought, you know, it's an extra 10 seconds to walk to this one, so I switched. My affiliation to the previous coffee shop was no longer there. My loyalties were over, and I changed my coffee drinking habits. And I don't drink a coffee every day now. But in silly ways in life, we, we do this, don't we? We're like so fickle in our, in our decisions. We're like, oh, there's something better there, or there's something easier there. And so we jump over. I'm sure you can think of lots of ways that that plays out in our world. Perhaps we might call it unfaithfulness sometimes. And so according to Malachi chapter 2, why shouldn't we be unfaithful? And this is a big theme that we're going to think about tonight, faithfulness and unfaithfulness, particularly in our human relationships. Because Malachi chapter 2, verse 10, starts by saying, do we not all have one father? Did not one God create us? See, perhaps we think the grass is greener, not only in things like coffee and our jobs and church or whatever, but also in our friendships. You know, I'm there with the person as long as it's easy, as long as I benefit in the, in the friendship, the relationship or whatever. But as soon as it gets hard, as soon as that relationship starts being a drain on me, I go elsewhere. Or perhaps I'm in a friendship and it's just a bit boring, and it's just a bit dead, and you're like, ah, that was like a better friend over there. And yet here, the, these verses says, Does, do we not all have one father? Did not one God create us? Why shouldn't you be unfaithful according to Malachi? Because God is our father. Because one God created all of us. This is leveling these, these words, aren't they? And this may come as a surprise to us, but, but my happiness, your happiness, is not the most important thing in the universe. We're all created by God equally under him to live under him as our father. He's made it all. It's equaling, isn't it? And what God wants most in the universe is that he be glorified and he be exalted. Everything else is inferior to that. And not just that, verse 10 goes on. Why do we profane the covenant of our ancestors by being unfaithful to one another? We're so quick to think of ourselves that we forget our place in God's big story. Here it talks about a covenant of our ancestors. This is, this is a bigger story, a story of covenant, a story of promise that God has continued through all the generations. And we're a part of that, you see. It's not just me and my life. We're part of something bigger that God is bringing about. And so every time we exalt ourselves, we profane, as it says here, or kind of disrespect 
this covenant because there's something bigger going on. And Malachi gives us two examples. This is what we're going to do tonight. We're going to look at two examples that he gives of how humanity often is unfaithful in our human relationships. And I want to be honest with you. These are, I don't think we're going to doubt what these say. Maybe we will. I think we'll be on board with the truth. But I'm really aware that things we're talking about, just to give you a heads up, singleness, divorce, marriage, pornography, we're going to talk about it all. Some of those things immediately are like, oh my goodness. And like, I'm very aware that in the room there's so many of us who have struggled with all sorts of things or been hurt in lots of ways. And like, I get that. I really get that. And so all I want to do now is just come to the scriptures like together with you humbly. And like, let's look at it. Let's take God at his words, even when they're hard sometimes. And let's see what they're saying to us. In our lives. So here's, here's the first one. Here's the first example of unfaithfulness. Let's read verse 11 and 12. Chapter 2. Judah has been unfaithful. A detestable thing has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. Judah has desecrated the sanctuary the Lord loves by marrying women who worship a foreign god. As for the man who does this, whoever he may be, May the Lord remove him from the tents of Jacob, even though he brings an offering to the Lord Almighty. Now let me be clear right off the bat and say this. God is not against marrying people from other races. That's not what this is talking about. God is not against interracial marriage. He never prohibits that at all. This here is about marrying other people who don't love God, who worship another God. There's countless stories as you go through the Old Testament where God's people choose to marry people who worship other gods. And in every case in the Old Testament, it never goes well. Because God longs for his people to marry those who also love him. He wants marriages where you love each other. And the, and the primary way you do that is by loving God first. He wants marriages where you can serve together and grow together and follow God's ways together. This is hard, I know. And I'm aware I'm, a, I'm, I'm married. I'm married to a Christian woman. So it feels easy for me to say you should do that too. And I know this is particularly hard for those who aren't married and want to be. And perhaps the dangers in our world today is that someone takes an interest in us at work or in our friendship circles and it seems so appealing. Or maybe you're part of a church or you hang out with Christians and there aren't a whole bunch of Christians your age who are kind of marriage material perhaps. But God says this, be faithful. Either marry someone who loves God or stay single. And as you do that, the church, I pray, will come around you and cheer you on and surround you with love and encouragement. Or maybe you're here tonight and you're already married to someone who isn't a Christian, or you know someone who is. Well, the scriptures speak about this in 1 Corinthians 7. They say that if, if they'll stay with you, then you stick with it. 
And this, it, it can be a really good thing. And, and you pray. You pray for their salvation. Again, if that's you, the church is there to root for you and cheer you on and encourage you. And help you when it's hard. We'll talk a bit more about marriage later. But, but for those who are single among us, I want to just take a pause a minute and just talk about singleness. These, like, these are things that churches don't really talk about. I don't know why. Although I kind of can because I'm up here and it's making me really uncomfortable. But let's just talk about singleness a minute. I want to say a few things. Number one, the church has been really bad at cheering on those who have been single in the past. I think there's a danger in church today that there's this idol created of marriage. And if you're not married, you're subclass. And that's really not good. It's not in the Bible. Because the Bible speaks of singleness as a good thing, there are uniquely good things about being single that the scriptures tell us about. It says you're spared the troubles of marriage, according to the New Testament. It says you can be more fully devoted to the things of God. The Bible describes singleness as a gift from God to you. Both Jesus says it and Paul say it. So when you hear phrases batted about in church circles like pairs and spares, oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) That's not what the Bible says. And when Christians perhaps come up and say, I don't know, questions like, oh, are you still single? You're still single? That's not helpful. Stop doing that. Singleness is a gift from God. It's a blessing. It's a beautiful thing. As long as you're single, it is a gift, regardless of how you feel about it. If you don't want to be single, it's still a gift, even though it may be hard. And I want to say this, that if you are single and you want to be married, you want to get in a relationship, that's not a bad thing. I think that's what I felt when I was like 20, 21, 22, I don't know, that like, I don't know, dating and thinking about getting into a relationship was a, was a bad thing. I don't know why, but that's, that's what I thought. It's not. It's a great thing to say I want to find someone who loves God and is going to encourage me in my life. That's a beautiful thing. But I want to say this, singleness can be really hard. It can be, not always, but it can be really lonely, especially if you're choosing singleness in obedience to God, or perhaps because you can't find someone. But I want to say this, that it's not forever. Jesus promises in his new creation that you will be wed to him. Human marriage will not exist in the new creation. Because there will be a leveling marriage for us all to Jesus himself. And so we want to, if you're single at St. James, at the gathering, we want to cheer you on, we want to support you, we want to love you, we want to care for you so well. And if there's ways we need to change in that, then let's do that. And maybe if you're single and you, and you want to get into a relationship, but you don't know how, like, let's chat about that. Let's figure some things out. But I want to make sure I say that as we go through this passage. So we're going to talk, talk about marriage in the next thing, because here's the second example that Malachi gives where God desires faithfulness in his people. This is in verse 13. 
Another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and wail because he no longer looks with favor on you, on your offerings, or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. See, they're not only, like, they're, they're weeping, aren't they? They're, they're crying. They're, and it all sounds really spiritual. It looks great, doesn't it? But the reason they're doing it is because they're not sorry for their unfaithfulness, but they're sorry about what they've lost, that they're not getting good things from God anymore. Why is that? Why isn't God blessing them? Verse 14, you ask why? It is because the Lord is the witness between you and, your, and the wife of your youth. You have been unfaithful to her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. See, they're not only running after someone who worships false gods, but they're divorcing, as we'll see as we read on. Marriage gets hard for them, so they end it, breaking this covenant that they made to their husband, to their wife. And God says, don't do that. Don't be unfaithful. One of the reasons that I've heard, the most common reasons that I've heard for people getting divorced is this. Something along the lines of, I've fallen out of love. But here's the thing, that's, that's never what marriage was about in the first place. Marriage is not about me, what I want, what I can get, my happiness, my ease of life. It's not the priority. You don't get married for as long as it's interesting and easy, but the day it gets tough, you're off. Marriage is a covenant, a promise. And God wants faithfulness in those who make covenants to each other in all sorts of areas of life. And here specifically in marriage. I get this is hard. But all I want to do is just look at these scriptures and figure out what it's saying. And like along with the rest of the Bible, build up a picture of what God wants us to hear. We've got to take these words seriously. And so I want to say this. And I want to say this strongly, if you're married or are about to get married, never break that covenant. Never check out of your marriage. Never give up hope. And don't go playing with the idea of someone else. Having sex with someone else or not in your thinking, not in your actions, not on your behavior. And don't let pornography take a place in your life. Many of us have struggled with this. All it brings is hurt and pain. And as you descend deeper and deeper into darkness and it's un unfaithfulness, it's adultery. And here's where I want to take our second time out. And and talk about pornography briefly this evening. Again, it's something we don't really talk about as Christians, but I thought everything's out of the bag already, so we might as well add another one, you know. And I want to say some things. The way pornography works is that it starts small and innocent 
and delves deeper and deeper and deeper into a vicious circle. It's momentary pleasure. I love this quote from Louise Perry, who wrote a book called The Case Against the Sexual Revolution. She says this, porn is to sex as McDonald's is to food. These two capitalist enterprises take our natural appetites, pluck out the most compulsive and addictive elements, strip away anything truly nutritious, and then encourage us to consume more and more, fooling the consumer into gorging on a product that initially feels good, but in the long term does them harm. Pornography wastes your life, spending hours. It ruins your mind, it ruins your heart. It changes how you think about sex. It changes how you view, about, how you view the opposite sex, particularly women. It means you're participating in sex slavery. You feed the system. It ruins human relationships. And it can ruin your relationship with God. And I want to say, if that's you, if this is the area of faithfulness that you're struggling with, I want to say you're not alone. It's something that loads of people struggle with. That doesn't make it right. But it means you've got sisters and brothers around you who can run this race with you as you seek faithfulness to God and faithfulness in your marriage or your singleness. There's loads of great resources and loads of great softwares to help talk to someone. Remain faithful to your husband, to your wife in your singleness. Why? Because that's the promise you've made to them, to God. And so on the days that you're tempted and you will have them, remember this, that God made you. He made your husband or your wife. You belong to God. You've made promises. So be faithful to one another. Twice it says in these verses, be on your guard. Look at verse 15. Has not the one God made you? You belong to him in body and spirit. And what does the one God seek? Godly offspring. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. The man who hates and divorces his wife, says the Lord, the God of Israel, does violence to the one he should protect, says the Lord Almighty. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful. Why does it say be on your guard twice? Because there's a very real danger, isn't there? We're not talking about coffee affiliation anymore. We're not talking about getting a better job or the grass is greener in a friendship. We're talking about your marriage, your singleness. This is real. And none of us are above this. The moment we think this could never happen to me will simply mean we stop battling. We're all in danger of this and we need to watch out. So be on your guard, God says. God created marriage as a beautiful, beautiful, good gift. And it's a serious thing that shouldn't be entered into lightly, but to be treated with deep respect. And for those who are here tonight where you look at your marriage and you think, like, this is really hard. I want you to know that it is not lost. 
God is all about turning things around. As is clear from his story of faithfulness all through the scriptures, when you stay in your marriage and choose faithfulness, potentially over your happiness or your ease, he will honor you. And as you decide to work on your marriage and figure things out with your partner, you invest in your relationship and you give it everything you've got. And as you start each day by saying, today I choose to love you, I will be faithful, just see what God does. Your marriage can continue to grow. It can flourish. The Spirit of God can miraculously breathe life and love into your relationship. It is possible with the help of God Almighty. But for some, for those in abusive marriage, or where your partner has abandoned you, or is committing adultery, then let me say that even though divorce is never a good thing, it is sometimes the right thing. You don't have to stay in a relationship where your partner is hurting you. You don't have to stay in a relationship where your partner is cheating on you. The scriptures, I think, allow divorce in these circumstances. And even though it will be really hard, God will not punish you for it or heap shame on you. He will love you and stand by you through it all. And I hope the church will too. And this is why we've got to flick over the pages. To see Jesus. To see just why he had to come. Because here God's people are in a mess. And you think we've reached a bottom here, the pit of it all, but it, like, it gets worse from here in Malachi. <laughs> and yet Jesus has always been faithful when we never could be. And as he walked on earth, he offered grace and forgiveness for those who had failed, for those who had been unfaithful. He said, come to me. Give me all your baggage, and I will give you my light load in return. And as he opened his arms on the cross, all of our unfaithfulness was poured onto him. And in return, his pure, perfect faithfulness gifted to you and if you have failed in your faithfulness I think we all have then you've got to hear that there is so much grace for you like I don't I don't want us leaving tonight just feeling shame and guilt like perhaps that's where we need to start but we've got to go to grace I want you to know that there is grace for you and Jesus has left you with his spirit. And he will take your unfaithful heart, my unfaithful heart, and begin to change it. We can't do this in our own strength. Only in Jesus' name can we become the faithful men and women God has called us to be. And so tonight, perhaps God has been nudging your soul. Something's not sitting right in your life right now. And tonight you're coming back to him. And you're saying, God, I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry for my unfaithfulness and my wandering. And, and I'm coming back to you. And the best place to start is in confession. Bring it to God. And know that he will shower you with grace. He will not tut. He will not turn his back. He will not walk away. He will say, daughter, son, I forgive you. And perhaps for some of us here tonight, that starts by confessing to someone else. God has not called us to live this life just alone, but he's brought us together in community. Look around you. God has placed brothers and sisters in your life, Christians, who can encourage you and cheer you on. Like You're not going to... You're not going to share your struggle with porn with everyone in the gathering. Please don't do that. But please share it with someone. Please get real with someone, a brother and sister who you trust, who you know is going to pour into you for your good and maybe challenge you. If you haven't got someone who can do that, like come and talk to one of the, one of the team up, up front. We can link you up with someone. But start with confession. And remember community, sin thrives in secrecy. The best way you can deal with it is bat it out in the open. So if you want to be faithfulness in your singleness, in your dating, in your marriage, then start by getting on your knees and praying. And just watch what God does. He will grow in you the fruit that he desires. Love. Joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is hard, I know, and like, I pray that my words have been honoring to the scriptures, and yeah, I've been for the good of us, like that's my heart's desire. But let's not leave tonight, perhaps if you've been convicted, don't leave tonight without doing business with God. The devil would love you just to run off and get into your life and carry on. So why don't we take a minute and let's, let's pray for ourselves. Tell God where you're at, what you're thinking, how you're feeling. Maybe you want to close your eyes and talk to him. Father, Thank you that you know our hearts. Thank you that you know them better than we do. And we ask, Father, that you would be working in us. That by your spirit, you would be revealing our unfaithfulness. That you would be helping us to run to Jesus in repentance. Yeah, and Holy Spirit, we ask that you would transform us. That you would change us. That you would help us to live lives of faithfulness to you, to others. Father, this is hard. And so we pray for your help, for your guidance, for your will. And Father, please may we not leave this place tonight without having done business with you. We pray this for your glory and for our good.